helper, I'll stand by, which is the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that as I open my mouth to teach your people, I thank you, Father God, that the Holy Spirit will bring back to my remembrance what you would have for me to say. And I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but through these teachings, things be popping up. And normally when you teach on a thing, that's what's going to come back at you, what you're teaching on, just to see where you are. And guess what? It's a good thing. Because sometimes we can't see what's there, but through the help of the Holy Spirit, he helps us to get through what we didn't know was there. So we're going to continue on with um, some more added to what I've been teaching on, dealing with um, separation um, from strife. And I went over... um, with um, Abraham and how he separated from Lot. The reason why he separated from Lot because the land was not big enough to hold both of them. So what he did, he separated by telling Lot whichever way he went, you know, it was okay with him. So he humbled himself. So it takes humility in order for us to get through a disagreement, in order for us to get through Um, you know, arguments or anything that would bring on strife, it takes a person being humble in order for us not to be in the midst of it. So that's what Abraham did. That was his solution. He said that they were brethren, and this should not happen between, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's how he solved it in Genesis 13. We talked about um, in Acts 15, it was dealing with... um, Paul and Barnabas, and they had so much sharp um, disagreement between them because Barnabas wanted to take John, which was surnamed Mark, with him on the journeys that they had already been on, which Paul was the one that said, let's go back again and check on the churches. But he wanted to take John, Mark, and Paul said, no, it's not good that he come with us because he left us when we was on the first journey. So they could not come together, so they began to separate because they had a different opinion. And remember I told you they had a different opinion, but both of them were right. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Paul was rebuking him for what he had done. But then um, Barnabas, he was trying to be patient with him. He was confident him. So sometimes you may have a different opinion but as long as those opinions line up with the word of God you okay but if you can't come into agreement and both of you are bringing forth the word you have to separate yourself and continue to do what God has called you to do some people to solve the situation they give up what God tell them to do and they just don't do it no more and thinking that's the best solution that is not the best solution The best solution is to continue what God has placed in your hands. You never give up what God has placed in your hands because of the way you feel or the way you felt like you need to be treated. Everywhere we go, being Christians and, um, you know, being Christ-like, we're going to have people to come up on us because they're not going to agree with our way of doing But what we do, we come with humility and we come in meekness. And especially when um, it's our brother and it's our sister in Christ. Remember in um, Galatians 6, 
If you find your brother in a fault, what do you do? You come to him in humility. You come to him in meekness. And the reason why you do that, because you bring in him back to the place that he need to be. If you come in at him with grievous words, remember a soft answer in Proverbs 15, it turns away wrath. Grievous words stir up anger. You don't go back and forth with people because you know you're right and they're not doing what you want them to do. You humbly submit yourself up under God's mighty hand and God will exalt you because what's happening, and we're going to talk more on it tonight, it's a form of pride. Sometimes we don't recognize what's in our lives because we get comfortable with it. We get used to it. And God was giving me an example today. On my countertop in my kitchen, I had put this rice cooker there to cook some rice. So when I put it there, um, after I got through with it, I left it there. But it was out of place. And I got so used to it being there when I would clean my countertop, I would move it. I would clean under it, I would clean around it, but I would leave it there. So as I was sitting here today with the teaching, God reminded me, he said, I'm going to show you something. He said, you left that there so long that you got used to it being there. So it didn't bother you no more. You looked at it, but it wasn't bothersome. So you didn't mess with it. You just left it there. It was out of place. He said, but when you went in your kitchen and you really started cleaning, you recognized You don't supposed to be on my counter. Now I'm going to move you. Now let me share this with y'all. This is so funny. Sometimes you can't see dust until the light shines on it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm saying? Sometimes you can't see dust where it is until the light really shines on it. So one day I walked in the kitchen and the light was shining down on this pot. And this pot was black. So you know the lint is like light color. So when I looked at it, I'm like, Look all that lint on that pot. Where all that lint come from? It been there. But when I started really paying attention, I want y'all to catch hold to it. When you get so familiar with the way something is, you feel safe with it there. You feel like I don't need to bother that. It's okay. But when I got my mind set to say, no, this don't belong on this counter. So I cleaned this time, and I moved it, and I put it where it should be. But then the Lord told me, he said, notice this. He said, you put it there. So you could not look to somebody else to move something you put there. So if you were waiting on your husband or your daughter, they're not going to move it for you because they knew, well, Ariel probably said, Mama put it there. She put it there for a reason, so I'm not going to move it. And my husband... Forget that. If it's on the counter, he just blend in with whatsoever on the counter. He just walk by it and say, it's a pot. That's all it is. When I have him, when he washed dishes, I know when he washed them. Because everything in my kitchen is in a place. It should not everything. But some things are in a place where it doesn't supposed to be. But anyway, the Lord said, it stayed there until you recognize that it was out of place, you got to get rid of, this is what he told me, the sin that easily besets you. He said, I have already done away with it, but you got so familiar with that pot being on that counter that it didn't phase you no more. You walk past it every day. He said, but notice when you got rid of it. Now, this is the funny part. When I got rid of it after I cleaned, I come in the kitchen the next day, and I looked around, I said, Hmm, something looks different. 
I said, something looked different. That counter looks open. What in the world is going on? Something looks so different in here in that very corner. And God reminded me. He said, because what you had out of place, you moved it. You got used to it. So that's all you were used to seeing. Now that it's gone, he said, you're not used to it being gone yet. So you had to really come to know it's not there no more. And then he reminded me, the pot, you moved the pot. But then he let me know, he said, even though you have strife in your life, it's so well hidden that you don't even recognize it. You get so familiar with it on a day-to-day basis, you don't recognize that it's there. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We have to be able to recognize what's in our lives without someone telling us what we have because we have a helper, which is the Holy Spirit. So the Lord used that for me to use it tonight to let you know. You got to be the one to move these things out of your life. See, people that are walking in the spirit, they see it. But if they bring it to your attention, just like Galatians 6, 1 said, for brothers in a fault, you who are spiritual, check it out. You who are spiritual, not in the flesh. The ones that are spiritual is the one that build that brother up. It's the one that come to them in meekness and humility to help them not fall in that place. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bring a brother and sister back to the place God intended for them to be. If we drive them from that place, we also ourselves is in some type of sin, in some type of way. So God said it's up to us to get rid of these things. If someone has to keep coming to you and keep coming to you and keep coming to you and telling you what's there before you and you're not doing nothing with it, what's happening is it's building up, it's building up, it's building up. And the enemy knows that. So tonight I want to talk about how this strife and everything um, come together. Now we talked about, you know, hate. It's, it's a part of strife. But then I want to look at offense tonight. And we talked about some of this before, but I'm, I'm breaking it down even the more because God wants us to see it. When we look at offense, it's words and deeds. It's your words and your action that entice you to sin. Offense is your word, words and act and deeds that entice you to sin. So somebody may come at you with words, but then they can come at you with actions as well. Because you know someone may not say nothing to you, but it might be the way they act and react that bring an offense. So I want you to know tonight that offense is a bait, it's a trap that the enemy use to entrap you. The enemy use offense all day long to entrap people, and they don't even know they're being entrapped. Go with me to Proverbs 18. God reminded me of this. Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to be, be won than a strong city. Did y'all hear that? A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions 
are like the bars of a castle. Isn't that something? So you know that person is very offended. So you really got to go to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit, how do I deal with that person? That's why I tell people, you got to know how to deal with who you're dealing with. Because if you don't know how to approach them and you approach them the wrong way, you can lose that brother. God don't want us to lose our brother and sisters. He want us to bring them back to who their position, who they are in him. And if we do like they are doing, we lose them. They ain't coming back to where God want them to be. So we have to be very careful. That's why I'm teaching on these things because sometimes we don't recognize offense. And offense comes in with strife and then they'll go hate, then they'll go jealousy, then they'll go envy, then there goes murder. All of those things come together and they come through strife. Remember the Bible say where strife and contention is, it's every evil work. The enemy know that. So he said, if I can entrap them, if I can get them in an offense, he said, it's not hard to bring everything else upon them. So we have to know what we're dealing with. Look at Luke 17, 1. Luke 17, 1. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Notice who he was speaking to. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to um, his disciples, which are followers, which are learners of Christ. Now he's teaching them. And Luke 17, 1. Then said he unto the disciples, the learners of Christ, the followers of Christ. Just like I'm talking to you. You're learners of Christ. You're followers of Christ. It says, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. Listen what the impossible meant. Impossible means they are coming. They are sure to come. And the Amplified, it says, and Jesus said to his disciples, temptation, snares, traps set to entice to sin are sure to come. But woe to him by or through whom they come. They're going to come, y'all. It's no way that you can try to not come up on a fence. It's going to come. The enemy is going to try to entrap you with that, to ensnare you with that. Jesus warned his followers. He said, they're sure to come. It is impossible. That's what he meant. They're sure to come. As long as we're in this world, we don't have to be of this world, but as long as we're in this world, we're going to have a fence that's going to come. But where it mainly come from is Christians. We know that it's evil in this present world. And you know, people are going to come up on you the wrong way. You will look for that from sinners. Is that not right? You will look for that from sinners, but you will not look for that from the ones that are Christians. It's another scripture. The Holy Spirit is reminding me of this one. It's in, let me make sure I'm going to the right place before I tell you to turn there. He reminded me of this because this happens to the majority of us, but sometimes we don't see. Okay, um, Psalms 55. Let's look at verse 12. Psalms 55 verse 12. David is talking about things that had happened with him. And this is what he said in verse 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me 
that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. Verse 13. But it was thou a man, my equal, my God, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. So David said, if it was an enemy, it wouldn't have been hard for me to take it. Because I can expect that from an enemy. But it was somebody that I fellowship with. It was somebody that I took sweet counsel with. It was somebody that we come into the house of the Lord together. So what am I saying? When we look at offense, we will look at it coming from our enemy. From someone that's in the world that don't know Jesus. But when we hang with our brothers and sisters... And they bring in that offense to cause us to stumble when they're causing that or when they're offended. Guess what? That's what hurts the most. When it comes from the husband, when it comes from the wife, when it comes from those that's so close to you, that's what hurt the most. That's when that wall of offense gets stronger because the person that you love or you thought that loved you, they hurt you the most. And that's what David was saying. If it was my enemy, man, that would have been okay because I know it was my enemy. But someone I'm close to, someone that I fellowship with in the house of God, someone that we take sweet counsel together, we're getting the same word. I don't expect that to come from them. And that's what hurts me the most. Y'all, we're seeing this amongst church folk. We see in people come together on a daily basis, getting it, not on a daily basis, but on certain Tuesdays, Sundays, or however people come together, maybe on Wednesdays, or maybe through the internet, and they're getting the word, but they're not allowing the word to take root in them, so when these things happen, they know how to handle them. So this is what David was saying, but go with me to 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through 26. And this is how we should handle when offense come as being Christians. This is how we should handle it. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And this is what it says. I'm reading Amplified. And the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, fighting and contending. Let's stop right there. If we're servants of Jesus Christ, The Bible says that we should not be quarrelsome, fighting, and contending. Instead, he must be kindly to everyone, mild-tempered, preserving the bond of peace. He must be a skilled and suitable teacher, patient and forbearing, and willing to suffer wrong. When you are forbearing, what are you? You are long-suffering. Because you know you know what that person is doing, but you still kind, you still gentle, you still meek, you still operating the way the word is telling you to operate. You're not allowing offense. You're not being quarrelsome. quarrelsome. You're not contending. You're not doing. The word is telling us, y'all, how we should be. And if the word is telling us how we should be, we should ask the Holy Spirit. We should be honest. Holy Spirit, I can't be this way. But I know through the help of you, I can. I'm willing 
to do what the word of God tells me to do, but I need help. Deal with me first and foremost because I'm not going to be able to deal with others. And I can tell you something. You get tried by your words. So he's saying this is how we're supposed to be. Verse 25. Listen at this. I love verse 25. He must correct his opponents with courtesy and gentleness in the hope that God may grant that they will repent. Listen at this. And come to know the truth. If you don't come at them in this way. With courtesy and gentleness. And hope that God may grant that they will repent and come to the truth. Meaning that they will perceive and recognize and become accurately acquainted with and acknowledge it. If you don't come at them in that way. If you come at them in a way of trying to let them know I'm in charge. It ain't going to work. Because that's not the way. We should come at people. We should come at people in a way the word of God tell us to come at them in gentleness. We never come at a person trying to make them feel I'm here and you're there. We're going to get to that part. We should always meet a person where they are because everybody's not the same. God, when I started going into ministry, I remember I had to deal with different people and, and I remember that. Some people, you have to come to them in a voice of, baby, it's okay. You know, you're going to make it. You know, don't look at what they're saying about, you know, you got to come at them in that kind of voice. But when you got a hardcore person that they just thuggish all the way around, they hollering, they whatever, you have to come up with that, with the help of the Holy Ghost. I remember I had to deal with one. That I started out when I was teaching them, you know, I'm telling them, well, baby, you know, the word of God say this, da, 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 da. Ooh, it got so bad. Next thing I knew, the Holy Spirit said, meet them where they are. So when I met them where they were, they come down. See, because some people, they think that when you in that calm voice and they're in that thuggish voice, I got you. So you got to meet them. You can't do everybody like that. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. And that's why you got to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and then you're slow to wrath. So I will let them talk, get it all out. And then I'm in my mind. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, see, hold, help me hold it. Holy Spirit, help me to stay in the spirit. Holy Spirit. You know, you have to take the reins of your mind. Just like a horse. You know what I'm talking about, Jennifer? That horse, when he start bucking against you, don't you take them reins and you pull it back and say, wait a minute, I'm in charge of you. You ain't going to be bucking against me because those reins keep him where he's supposed to be. And if you pull on him long enough, Jennifer, he's going to know he can't mess with you, right? I remember my um, daughter's friend, the dog and her would always get into some stuff all the time. So the dog bit her and she bit him back. He didn't bite it no more. You know why? Because he learned. I bit you, you bit me, I ain't going to bite you no more. See, but you got to know who you're dealing with and how to deal with them. Now, I'm not telling y'all to go around biting no dogs. I'm just saying they know who's in charge. So we have to be that way. And the word of God is telling us when you come off on a person wrongly the first time, And that offense hit them in the face through what you said. 
You may come calmly the next time, but you already done scarred them. And the only thing they hear is the first time. Hallelujah. Is that not truth? They don't hear how you have changed. They only hear how you sounded the first time and have not gotten over that. So what you got to do is say, Holy Spirit, help me because I came this way, but they ain't accepting that way no more. But then all of a sudden, because they're not accepting that way, you come back the way you started off with. That's not right. That means I still got to be dealt with. Because if they took me out of my place because I didn't accept that, then that tells me, woe is me. So I got to deal with me before I can deal. Y'all, the word is just so good. The word will meet you right where you are. If you allow the word of God to do it. So the word is telling us what we must do. In verse 26, it says, and that they may come to their senses. Do y'all hear that? And escape out of the snare of the devil. See, they go to snare. They go to trap. Having been held captive by him henceforth to do his, to do his God's will. So what the enemy want to do, he want to ensnare us. He want to entrap us by a fence. He want to hold us in that trap. And this is why I'm teaching tonight because some of us have been held in that trap. But we're thinking that we're not trapped. The other people is trapped and we want to help them, but we need help ourselves. We need to look at ourselves, y'all. I have, I have learned this through the Holy Ghost and how I learned it. I had to be broken. I had to be broken in order for God to make me. He had to break me. And y'all, I'm telling you, there was some breaking going on because sometimes you think you okay. Because when I had my position, I always tried to help folks. I always tried to do what was right, even when they look wrong or done wrong. I always tried to humble myself and ask the Lord to show me what I can do to help them. So that was good. And I'm thinking when I lost my position, I'm asking God, why? Why was my position taken when God, I worked twice as hard God, I stay over. God, I do this. God, I do that. So I don't understand why my position is gone and everybody else is going on like it's nothing wrong. I'm the only one that see it. That's where I was. And I remember when God was breaking me to make me y'all, God was showing me some stuff. He was showing me offense. He was showing me control. He was show, and how he showed me was I'm, I'm in my devotion with God. I'm sitting down writing in my journal and I start writing to God and say, God, I know what my old position that I used to have. That girl don't need that position. I can do that position. Father, in the name of Jesus, give me back my old position. So the Lord let me know then. He said, you still don't see what's wrong with you. You still looking at everybody else. And I'm trying to break you to make you. I'm going to get to that point. I'm going to get to the scripture that's going to show you, you got to be broken in order to be made by God. In order for the image that's in you that represent him to shine more than you. And some of us want to shine, but we want to shine without him. We want to be right all the time. But God said, I'm going to break you that even though you right, you humble yourself to bring that brother back in by being wrong, even though you know you're not wrong. We don't want to do that. 
And the reason why we don't want to do that, I'm going to go to this scripture. Now, remember in 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 through 26, it's telling us how we're supposed to be. He wants us to win that brother back to the place he need to be in with God. He don't want us to send that brother in Satan's arms. Because when we do what that brother is doing, he's still entrapped. He's still held in captivity. So what we got to do is humble ourselves and we got to come into a gentle and meek spirit. Oh, yeah, you can, because you got the fruit of the spirit. He give you the fruit of the spirit so you can be long suffering. So you can be gentle and meek. So you can be have love and peace and joy. He give you the fruit to do that. God is never going to ask you to do something, not unless he already equipped you to do it. But if you never go into the word to know what you equip with, you're going to wear a fence and don't even know that you wear an offense. So let's look at something else. I talked about dealing with offense and some people don't even know that they have it. But I want to talk about feeling betrayed brings offense. Feeling betrayal brings offense. What do I mean by that? Betrayal is when someone you trust breaks that trust by doing something that hurts you. Betrayal is when someone you trust that breaks that trust by doing something that hurts you. Now, remember David. He said, I could deal with it if it was my enemy, but it was my equal. It was one that come into fellowship, come in the house of God with me. That's what it was hard for him to deal with. Now, when we look at betrayal, I always talk about marriage. And the reason why I talk about marriage, because it's two becoming one. That means when I hurt, he hurt. When he hurt, I hurt. And the reason why is because we have become one through God. And becoming one through him, we're there for one another. And when we spend so much time with one another, you know, sometimes his habit may become mine. My habit may become his. If it's a bad habit, he need to lose it. And if it's a bad habit on his end, I need to lose it. We don't need to pick up people's habits if they're bad, right? But sometimes when we stay with a person so long, we're familiar with that person. I know my husband is familiar with me. He know if I'm off to myself, I get off to myself, but he know the different offness. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? He know when I'm in deep, deep thought, or he know when something is just not right with my wife because he's so familiar with me. Let's say that I or he done something in betrayal that, that hurt one another. And we say, I forgive you for that. He say, I forgive you for that. We, we forgiven one another for it, but we didn't deal with the betrayal. So we hold that as an offense. So each time he come to me, I'm coming at him like a firecracker. And he's wondering, why are you coming at me this way? Because I haven't gotten over that hurt. I told you I forgive you. But the hurt is still there and I have not allowed God to mend my broken heart and to bind up, listen at this, all of my wounds. Because that one hurt opened a door for me to become more wounded by that one thing that you did. This is why I tell married couples, I get so tired of men and women doing their little stuff. 
you know, going out and committing adultery or doing what they got to do. And then they come home and they expect the husband or the wife to be okay with it because I'm not going to do it no more. They expect them to keep on doing what they do. And the only way they can do it is with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because once you hurt them and once you scarred them, you can't think that it's going to go away overnight. Because even at times when you're laughing and even at times when you're feeling like everything is okay, you have the thought. It comes to your mind of what they did and all of a sudden you begin to hate them. All of a sudden you become offended by them. All of a sudden you don't want them in your face. All of a sudden you begin to bring stuff out of your mouth based on what they did. But you said, I forgive you. It's offense. You held that. Nothing that they buy you, nothing that they can say to you can help you. And it won't. It can't. The only one that can help you is God. And that's why we have to go to him and say, God, I've been hurt by them. They portrayed me, God. So you have to say, God, if you don't help me, I'm not going to be able to stay in this. God, if you don't do this, I know nobody can. And it takes spending time with God. Quit trying to smooth it over just because they're extra nice. They're going to be extra nice after an affair. They're going to be, <laughs> them, them single people saying, mm, y'all better learn from us married folk. Y'all better learn. People be extra nice when they do wrong. They be extra nice, want to love you more, want to dot every I, cross every T, want to even put a red carpet down if they can, want to even try to do more than they ever done before because they want to prove their love. The only thing they need to do is get into the word of God and say, God, deal with what dealt with me from sneaking out from my wife. Then you can love them the way Christ loved the church or they can love you. The way you need to be loved until we deal with these skeletons, until we deal with these things, we're going to continue to deal with them. And what God began to tell me about the pot, y'all, he said, you did put the pot in, in the right place. He said, but you still got to deal with the residue that was left there. You still got to uproot What was left there, even though you repent it, even though you say, God, forgive me for this. You got to deal with the root that's still there. Some people tell you they're sorry, but they ain't dealt with the root. They haven't gotten in the word and they fall back into the same pattern. The enemy have you trapped. He have you snared. You are snared and trapped by the enemy because you're not doing nothing about it. Some people want this. Oh, Oh, I'm so sorry. Kissy, kissy. You're my best friend. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have treated you like that. Five days later, <laughs> that mind me of SpongeBob. Don't it? Y'all remember? And five days later, because it's coming again. Let me forewarn you. If you have not got that root out of you through dealing with it through the word, it's going to get worse. That's why people leave the house of God because they don't deal with it through the word of God. They deal with it fleshly. What did your Bible say? You're not fighting against flesh and blood. Come on, y'all wake up. 
I ain't going to say smell the coffee. Smell the word. We don't want to do that. We say we get into the word. But when you get into the word, you can get into it. But if it don't get into you, you're going back to the same stuff. You can say you sorry. But if you don't get your mind renewed. God is good, y'all. Before I even do my teachings or whatever. Well, after I get my stuff together, God will show me a movie. He'll make it real. There was this man, and this man was happily married, and they was going to renew their vows. They were going to come together and renew their vows, and the wife is saying, get your vows together. He said, I'm going to get them together, and he was a businessman, and he worked hard to supply for his family, but his company was in trouble. So he was trying to sell this product to pay off debt. He owed so much money getting ready to lose his car. He wasn't telling his wife. Um, But then this company he decided to go with, they sent a representative over to make sure what they were saying was true about the company. And they sent a woman, y'all. They sent this woman who caught the eye of this happily married man. Now, Outside of that, it was another married couple that split up because of infidelity. So the wife was sharing it with her husband, and they were talking about, we thought they were happily married. When the woman walked in his office, this is how his eyes went. Now, she up here, he down there, and he back up here. Why do men have to look at you like that? He looked her up and down, and then he looked at her sideways, yes. After he looked at her up and down. So lust was on point. So she talking to him, and it didn't help how she come in in her body language, how she come in in her little dress, and how she sat down slowly. See, that's how the enemy worked. So all of a sudden... He had to spend, she said, can we go over these numbers? I need to go over them tonight. Now, this man is desperate because he's about to lose his company. He never stayed over at night. But he texted his wife and he said, I got to work late tonight. So he stayed over with her eating Chinese food. So, of course, he's looking at her up and down. So when he get home, he got a smile on his face. Now, you know the wife's going to wonder why he's smiling. So he go to bed thinking about this woman. He fantasizing about this woman. So his wife began to notice. Remember, she's familiar with him. He's off track. Something is not right with my husband. She calling him at work. The conversation is not the same. She calling him, telling him about the kids. And the woman walk in the room and he hangs up on his. Okay, got to go. Bye. Just hangs up. So she knew something is off with my husband. He never treated me this like this before. You know when something is off because that's not the way that person normally acts. So this man, you know, kept going after this woman. And long story short, he ended up getting his car taken. He would go to soccer games with his son. When he was staying out late, he would oversleep. His wife would call him. And he said, I have to go to every game. Everything began to change. So he found out he was infatuated with this woman. And the reason why, too, y'all, now he told her he was staying late with the representative, but he never said it was a woman. 
she assumed it was a man. But guess how she found out it was a woman? He thought about this woman so much, he began to dream about her. Let me tell you something. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so does he become. If you go to bed thinking about someone, the devil's going to form pictures in your dreams based on what you've been thinking about before you lay down. So in the middle of the night, he's going to start screaming in his sleep, don't leave me, don't leave me, don't leave me. And he called her name out and the wife is shaking him. She said, who? And it was Julia, Julia. <laughs> that was her name. She said, who is Julia? And then he said, I thought I told you about her. She said, no, I assumed it was a man. She said, let me tell you something. You need to make up your mind who you want to be with. I ain't touched a woman. She said, it doesn't matter. And God even gave him clues, y'all, in church. Before it began to happen, God said, dealing with lust is things you begin to desire because you focus on that more than you focus on the word. So this man focused on her so much that he got put out of his house. She said, you go stay in a hotel. We need to separate. You need to decide what you want. This man was flying to Brazil because the lady left. He got so hostile because she left and they wouldn't give him the business that he flew to Brazil. But thank God, God always have a ram in the bush. He began to tell this man on the plane about his, what was going on his whole life, but he didn't know who he was talking to. The man began to tell him, he said, before you have this meeting, come to our church. I believe if you come to our church, God will give you what you need. He said, no, I, I, I don't think so. But he wrote his number on the back of the card that he supposed to went to the business to visit. When he was in the cab getting ready to go, he began to reminisce about his life. So he told the man, he said, no, take me to the church. When he went to the church, the people spoke in a different language. So you had to put on headsets. And the preacher began to say, God is saying, that you're supposed to love your wife just like Christ loved the church. You don't supposed to let anything or anyone come between you. Everything that he was going through in his life, this man said, and God said, you're here in this congregation. And he said, it ain't too late. The only thing, he said, and I hear you say, um, Father, help me. And that's what he was saying. So everything the man was thinking, the minister was spitting it out. He said, God say, only thing you got to do right now is repent and let it go. And that's what he began to do and cry out to the Lord. And he told his wife, I'm coming home. Then he went to the meeting and he admitted to them that he was deceiving them and that he fell for Julia and his, his mindset went more to Julia than his business, than his marriage. And he repent and he's so sorry, please forgive me. And he left. So his life began to change. What am I saying? If you don't recognize offense or you don't recognize what's going on in your life, God love you so much that he will send people unto you and show you what's hindering you, what's entrapping you from moving forward in him. This man got so infatuated with this woman, he began to say, he went to a, um, a psychiatrist because this other guy said, go to my psychiatrist. The only thing you need is some pills. So when he went there, the guy said, Oh, you come to get some pills? He said, no, I need your help. He said, I'm infatuated with this woman. You know what the psychiatrist told him? 
Oh, that's just a man's nature. That's okay. You ain't doing nothing wrong with your wife. So in his mind, he was saying he wasn't wrong. So he went to talk to the guy that wife left him, but the wife left him because of another man, and they thought it was his fault that she left because of another woman. But anyway, he began to share with him about how is it wrong for her to think about this man if she never been with this man? He said, when you lust in your heart over a woman or over a man and you thinking about being with them, you have already committed adultery. You have already left your spouse. You don't have to literally be in the bed naturally with them. You in the bed already in your mind and that's all you fantasize over. So he said, it's nothing wrong with that. I'm okay. So until he came to reality, until he recognized, and I'm going somewhere, until we recognize we have a problem, we can't get over that problem. We can't look at everybody else. Y'all, this is going to get deep. I got a lot to go over because sometimes we don't recognize what's going on with us. We think we okay. If you're fantasizing, whether it's a woman, whether it's a man, whether it's having cars, whether it's houses, whether, you know, trying to do things and you're fantasizing it in your mind and it's, it's taking you away from God, that's a lust. That's a desire. Even offense can be the same way. It's there, but you not recognize it and you get so offended. Anytime somebody walk up to you and ask you a question and you say, what you asked me for? Offense. Anytime someone is bringing correction to you and you buck up at them because they said, excuse me, Apostle Amanda, I never forget this. I had to teach in this church. And as I was teaching, I gave a scripture, but I paraphrased the scripture. I didn't give exactly what I said. I'm paraphrasing the scripture. So this preacher come afterwards and he stood in front of me and he said, by the way, that scripture didn't go like that. I said, okay. Thanks for letting me know. I let it go. Why? I could have said, excuse me. But I didn't do that. Did offense try to come? Mm-hmm. It did. I'm not going to lie. Because in my mind, I'm like, you're going to come up on me? But then I said, thank you. Okay, thank you. Now, check this out. Now, sometimes we can say, okay, but it ain't okay. It's not okay. And I'm going to get there too. Sometimes we'll tell people, I'm fine, but you're not fine. I can tell my husband I'm fine, but he can look at me and say, you're lying. I know you're not fine. Or he can tell me he's fine. And I'm like, you're lying. Because I know you're not fine. When you spend so much time with somebody, you know when they're lying and their pants on fire. You know they're not telling the truth. Are you bothered by that? No! And you believe that lie. Anything you keep talking about, you offend it. Offend it. You wear an offense. When you go on about your business and because you know you're right. You don't have to keep bringing it back up. Hello, somebody. Say, hey. It is the truth. Y'all, it's getting so good, and I want to give you more. Lord knows, I want to, I want to, let me give you one more. 
Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. The closer the relationship, the more severe the offense. Y'all get it? Offended people are. I'm going to give you two. Number one, those who have been treated unjustly, those who have been treated unjustly, will take offense when they know they've been treated unjustly. Number two, this is the long one. Those who believe they have been treated unjustly, they believe with all their hearts that they have been treated wrong. Their conclusions are drawn from inadequate information or their information is accurate, but their conclusion is distorted. Their understanding is darkened because of hurt. They judge by assumption, appearance, and rumor. Number one, those who have been treated unjustly will hold offense because of being treated unjustly. If you have been treated unjustly, and you know you've been treated unjustly, say, back off me, Satan. I'm not holding offense because they treated me unjustly. Understand? You know they treated you unjustly. So you hold an offense in your heart. I'll, I'll just say me. I talk about me. On my job, when I knew they treated me unjustly, I got a witness over there. And I thought I was okay because I was saved, sanctified, and filled with what, Kath? Amen, sister. I found out just how much fire I was filled with. So... I felt as if I was done wrong. And in my mind, well, out of my mouth, hey, how you doing? God is good. But I was holding something. So when I had the opportunity to let loose on what I was holding, I let it loose stinkably. Somebody was getting ready to leave. And they were saying they were getting ready to go to another place. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. This is my time. And the person that I need to let it out on was in the room because I knew you helped them get rid of my job. I said, I'm so happy for you, girl. I know you're glad you're ready to get out of here. And that demon (laughs) shut me up quick. She said, why are you still here? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I just turned around and went back to my desk because I tried to make them look bad, but it come back at me. The Lord had to show me, y'all, me. I was holding a fence and trying to do it in a humble way, but I was playing what, what, a hypocrite. I was play acting. We can play act and act like, Oh, they're so gentle. They're just like a little lamb. they like Chucky. They sure is. Y'all remember Chucky? Y'all remember that little dog? Uh-huh. He was a killer from Manila. He was a killer. When you hold a fence, you hold murder. You hold hate. You hold jealousy. You hold envy. You hold every evil work because you ain't dealt. Y'all ain't this good. God got me so I can get you. 
I'm passing along because I had to deal with it. And it's my job to give you what the word is saying, not to condemn you, but to let you know what the word says. So when it hits you and the devil is saying, mm-hmm, she, t- she talking about you. What you rise up and say, she sure is. She's helping me recognize what's there so I can deal with it. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name. See, y'all, you have to recognize. You have to admit it and quit it. You can't admit it and don't quit it. And you can't admit it and say you quit it, but you're still in offense. You ain't quit it. So, see, once we get through with this teaching for real, y'all, you got to deal with it. Because it has dealt with everybody in this room. If you say it hasn't, you a liar. Because he said that it is impossible that offense don't come. It's going to come on all of us, from the pulpit to the congregation. It's going to come. So we see in this about offense and how it comes. But listen at this. The enemy want to keep offense hidden. He don't want you to know that you're an offense because you're a loving person. You get along with everybody. You don't cuss. You don't smoke. You don't chew. You don't go along with those who do. You don't do nothing. You just go home. You call people. You check on them. Your voice is so calm. You do everything so right. You even speak in them tongues and you before the Lord. You don't have no offense, baby. Yes, you do. The enemy want to keep any time. You think that you don't have none. It's your deal. Hello, somebody. Anytime you think you and everybody say, no, surely not Sister Loretta. Why not Sister Loretta? Surely not Teresa. Why not? Teresa, surely not Erica. Why not Erica? Surely not Barbara. Why not Barbara? Surely not a Pastor Amanda. Why not me? It'll come. He want to keep it hidden. And then it says, he he uses his pride To keep you from admitting your true condition. Pride hardens your heart. And dims the eyes of your understanding. It will keep you from repenting. Which will set you free. People you say that are fine. People you say that you are fine. You tell people you're fine. When they know deep down on the inside. That they're not fine. And will not change. We got a lot of people. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Girl, I ain't got no problem with you. I'm fine, girl. I ain't even give it a second thought, liar. The devil want to keep it hidden and make you think you handled that out of love. But guess what? It pops back up when somebody get on you. Then you throw up other stuff that you were fine about. Hello, somebody. We got to recognize, y'all. It's time to recognize. This is why the Bible says if you got an art, you go to that brother. You do not sit there and hold that art and say you fine. You are out of the will of God. 
You are not fine because if that brother offended you in any way, if my husband offended me, I have to go to him and say, honey, I need to tell you something. You may not have recognized it, but it hurt me. I have to let him know. And he might say, I'm so sorry. I didn't think that that would hurt you in that way. So he know not to come at me again in that way. And this is what happens, y'all. If you offended in an area, people should not expect that you get over it overnight. So they got to know how to approach you while you working with that offense. They have to know, okay, wait a minute, that's an area that they offended in, so I have to watch how I come and approach them because I want them to get back in their place so you can't expect them overnight to get over it. But if it's taking you 20 years, you don't want to get over it. You don't want to change. If you act in the same way, Going into the same year. You had a whole year. When you really want something so bad, y'all. When you really want that laptop so bad and they tell you it's a thousand dollars. A little over that. You're going to add up your paychecks. You want it so bad that you're going to save money to get it because you saying, I want it, I want it, I want it. So you're going to set aside money to do it. You got to set aside time every day to uproot offense in your life. So when people begin to approach you, God is showing me something. Let's say it's two people right here standing close to each other. Offense, I'll use husband and wife. Offense begin to drive them slowly apart. From one another. Even though they're in the same house, they're far from one another because you can feel the tension. You don't know what to say no more. You don't know how to say it no more because they take you wrong. So you can feel the tension, so you just don't say nothing. You say you're dealing with it, but you're not. So finally, when the Lord began to open your heart because you, you go to Him, then you can come closer. But until you deal with it, you're far apart. Y'all, let's quit living a lie. The enemy want a divided house because a divided house will not stand. We need to ask God, why do I come at this person this way? Why I come at them so sharp? God, where is this hate coming from, from this dealing with this particular person? God, I shouldn't feel this way. God, why do I feel I can't go to my own husband, my wife? I can't go to my kids. God, I can't go to this person or that. God, what's going on with me? God got to deal with you first. Why am I always coming into quarreling with this person? What is it, God? What If you quarrel too much and all the time, you need to back off and say, God, something can't be right with me. Sometimes we don't want to see us because we think we done. You may apologize, but you ain't dealt with the root. Until you deal with the root, you're going to go back to the same pattern when they come to you again. You're going to feel like that day you just as wrong as you was the first time. You start bringing back up yesteryears after you say, I didn't have a problem with you. I'm going to close it because, y'all, I got some good stuff. And I pray that what we have gotten so far has helped. But you got to go home. And you got to allow the Holy Spirit to say, search me. And see if there's any wicked way in me. Just because a person is humble don't mean it ain't something there. Some people play humble, but they ain't. 
You approach them the wrong way and see just how humble they are. You're going to know the ones that's really humble. Amen. Do we have any announcements?